Have you ever seen a movie or a TV show and you're just absolutely shocked at a major plot twist that you just didn't see coming. I mean the I see dead people kind of plot twist, you know what I mean? Like I remember when I was growing up watching the original Star Wars trilogy and about losing my mind when Darth Vader said to Luke Skywalker, like, no, I am your father. I was like, what? (laughs) Like it's kind of fun, that type of thing. Well, fast forward to me being a dad. And recently I was introducing my 10-year-old son, Asher to the Star Wars trilogy, and it was getting kind of close to that moment. You know, Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker, they're like this epic, you know, lightsaber battle, and my son is loving it, and I'm loving it, and the pivotal moment, you know, comes up, and Darth Vader says, Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. That's the best I can do. And Luke says, he told me enough. He told me you killed him. And they, like, look at each other, and Luke is hanging there on this antenna-looking thing, you know, or whatever. And then Darth Vader, like, pauses dramatically and says, no, I am your father. And then like the music swells and the extreme close up on Luke and he goes, no. And out of the corner of my eye, I'm watching Asher watch one of the most incredible plot twist reveals in cinematic history. Nothing. (laughs) I mean, not even a blink, not a smile, absolutely nothing. Now, Asher caught me looking at him, right? Because I'm like, look. What's going on? Like, did you not get it? Like, what, what don't you understand? And so I said, like, did, did you get it? Like, Darth Vader is Luke's father. And I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, I know. <laughs> I was like, how do you know? And he said, well, it was, it was in the Lego Star Wars video game. <laughs> and he went on to explain in perfect detail the entirety of the trilogy you know, full of quotes and dramatic pauses for effect and everything. He knows all of it, right? And now we use this term, you know, you probably use it too. We use the term spoiler alert, you know, when someone is about to ruin the end of a movie or a major plot point. And to my knowledge, there are no spoiler alert, like warnings on any Lego video games. And I'm filing an official complaint with them because I come to find out that pretty much every major franchise, you know, Marvel, Harry Potter, you know, Star Wars, Asher already knows the entire story and has played it as a Lego minifigure. Now, today we're starting an eight-week summer series called Spoiler Alert. When, and I want to tell you right now, like this is the end of the type of story that we want to know, right? This series over the summer, kind of our summer book series, is a journey through the last book of the Bible, Revelation. Now, there's a lot of baggage that comes along with the book of Revelation, and for really good reason. Maybe you feel some of that. There are some things mentioned in Revelation that are pretty wild. So we're going to be talking about the end of the world. We're going to be talking about the amazingly heavenly throne room of God. There are these symbols and numbers in the book of Revelation, like seven and the number 666, and trumpets and bulls and a dragon and a prostitute and a lion and a lamb and epic battles and the beast. And spoiler alert, Jesus comes again and wins the battle between good and evil. And there have been a lot of people who read the book of Revelation, myself included, and they go, huh? 
Like, I don't understand. I don't understand what this book is saying. And, and fair enough. So one of my hopes for this series is that we start to understand that Revelation is something that we can understand. We can comprehend it if we slow down a little bit. And there are these amazing themes in it like hope and God's faithfulness that can be so encouraging to us as we follow Jesus. The book is incredibly relevant to us today, actually. So if you've ever felt like things were unfair in your life, this this book is for you. If you've ever wondered if God is in control of what's going on in your life or what's going on in your family or what's going on in your community or what's going on in your world, this book is for you. If you've ever felt defeated or if you've ever felt lost or if you've ever wondered how are you going to make it through the next day or you're searching for something that brings hope and peace, this book is for you. And if you're trying to figure out like if things are currently in the end times and you're like looking at politics and you're looking at all these different things and you don't know what to believe, this book is for you and this series is for you. And my hope is this series will help explain and set up the book of Revelation so we're a little bit less intimidated by it. And my hope is this series will point us towards that importance of Jesus and faithfulness in Jesus and will explain that Jesus has already won the battle And, spoiler alert, we already know the end of the story. So, during this series, we are going to cover a lot of information. I mean, so much information. The book of Revelation is 22 chapters long, and we're taking eight weeks to cover 22 chapters. So you can do the math on that, and it's not going to be, like, perfect. But before we dig in, we're going to set a little bit of foundation. We're going to set a little bit of context It's really difficult to understand things without context. Like, have you ever walked into the middle of a conversation and you hear somebody said, like, I would never kill them. And you're like, what? Like, I need the context to this conversation. And so that's what we're going to kind of do. So what's the context for Revelation? We're going to start right there in the first chapter and first verse in the last book of the Bible. This is Revelation 1 verse 1. This is a revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the events that must soon take place. He sent an angel to present this revelation to his servant, John, who faithfully reported everything he saw. And this is his report of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. So let's break this down just a little bit. So the book of Revelation is written by a guy named John. And this is the same John that was one of Jesus' disciples that wrote the book of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, in the New Testament, second half of the Bible. This disciple, John, was exiled on an island by the Roman Empire, and the island was named Patmos. And while he was there, he saw a vision of Jesus and the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world. I had to. I have to. For you, if you know, you know. So, Revelation written by John. Now, what is a revelation? It's a type of writing, actually. It's a type of literature. It's a genre. So, check this out. Revelation equals apocalypse. That's a, that's a, that's a fun word, isn't it? Apocalypse. What does apocalypse mean? That sounds like, like super intense. Well, apocalypse means to reveal. That's it. Like, ta-da! That's all it means. 
means to reveal. Uh, here's the image, like a little kid, you know, coming and like showing you a painting. That's kind of what this means. So a revelation is a type of literature, like a genre of literature that uses symbols, images, and numbers to describe or reveal future events. And the first people who would have been reading this book or hearing this book of Revelation from John would actually have been pretty familiar with some of the things that he was talking about. Here's, here's how I explain it. Have you ever picked up a comic book? Like we understand what a comic book is, right? Like even if you've never read that version of a comic book, you kind of understand how to read the comic book. Like you understand, okay, there's pictures and there's words and these characters and they might have superpowers and, and things like that. But if you read a comic book and had never heard of a comic book before, it would have been pretty weird. But there are other revelations in the Bible, Actually, several of them. In the Old Testament in particular, the first half of the Bible, the book of Ezekiel has symbols and images and numbers to reveal future events. It has revelations or apocalypse in there. The book of Daniel. So the Daniel of the lion's den, well, the rest of the book gets pretty weird and talks about some of these same types of things. This would have been pretty familiar, actually, to the people who would have read John's Revelation. So what we're going to do to kind of set up this series is we're going to talk about some things that Revelation is not, and then we're going to talk about some things that Revelation is. So the book of Revelation is not. Now, I know some of you call like the grocery store Meyer Myers and Kroger Kroger's. I worked at Kroger, and there was a buddy of mine who used to answer the phone, and they'd be like, is this Kroger's? And he would say, Kroger's what? Which I think is hilarious people on the phone did not think it was hilarious, but I thought it was hilarious. So here's one of the first thing that the book of Revelation is not. It is not the book of Revelations. Here's why that's important. This entire book goes together. It's one big revelation. It's not a bunch of little ones cut up. It's one big one. And we kind of need to use the first chapter of Revelation to understand, you know, the last chapter of Revelation. You see what I mean? Like it all goes together. So that's the first thing that the book of Revelation is not. It's not the book of Revelations. Here's the second one. It's also not a secret code book. You heard kind of those. When I read this book, it's easy to get lost in some of the symbols and the images and some of the numbers. And those symbols and images and numbers do mean things, and we're going to do our best to talk about those things. But the point of the book is not the YouTube video of here's why June 11th, 2023 is the end of the world, because the book of Revelation says this, and here's the secret code, and you know here's the map on the back of the Declaration of Independence, and you know, stuff like that. That's not really the point of the book of Revelation. People have been using this book kind of in a weird way for a really long time. Here's, here's an example. I remember growing up, I was in church, and I remember someone saying the war in the Middle East proves that the end times, the end of the world will happen in the next five years. And that was 20 years ago. And people have been saying this for a long time. The primary purpose of Revelation is not necessarily like the secret code book version. And I'm going to say this for the entire series. There are other people who have other interpretations of things. And in study and in preparation for these messages, I didn't really have to look too far before I I found out that somebody disagreed, especially if I Googled something. 
And it often had to do with kind of this secret code book approach to Revelation, trying to find kind of the exact time, exact date, exact political parallel to all the things that are happening. So I'm going to tell you right now, we're doing our best, and everybody who is teaching this is doing our best, but we might be wrong about some of the things that we say. We're going to try to say this is our opinion when it is our opinion. But here's the point of the book of Revelation. It is a book of hope. It's something that we're going to do our best to communicate loudly and clearly. It can be a book of warning, but it is definitely a book of hope. Now, here's the last kind of, you know, what something is not. The book of Revelation is also not incomprehensible. A little bit of a double negative, right? But I think you might be catching what I'm saying. We approach the book of Revelation like it's something that we just cannot possibly understand. And there are reasons for this, and I understand it, and we'll talk about some of those reasons today, but it's really important for all of us to start with this idea that Revelation is definitely something that we can read, and that we can understand, and we can engage with the context, and we can see how it might apply to our lives today. So Revelation is not Revelation's Nor is it a secret code book about the future end of the world with all exact times and dates and all that stuff. Nor is it something that's incomprehensible. So there's a few things that Revelation is not here. Let's look at the other side. Here are a few things that the book of Revelation is. So here's the first one. The book of Revelation is from God, spoken through a person to God's people. And that's a little bit of a tongue twister. So let's break it down. Revelation is from God. And God uses a person to communicate what is happening there. And the audience of the book of Revelation is God's people. And there's a fancy word for this. So if Revelation is from God, spoken through a person to God's people, it's something called prophecy. There's a great definition of prophecy. It's this, just right here. Something from God through a person or through a prophet. We're going to talk about that. That's, it's John, right? That, that's the person to God's people. And there are examples of this all over the Bible, all over the Old Testament. But check this out. This is Revelation 1, 3. Yeah, I'm on page 4 and we're only in verse 3. Bear with me. We're okay. God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church. And he blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says, for the time is near. How cool is this? I mean, the words of this prophecy and us reading them means God blesses us. And this indicates that it is able to be understood and obeyed. That we can follow Jesus and obey him. And we're blessed beyond measure when we do. So this book talks about what all of that means. So Revelation is a prophecy. What else? Revelation is also a letter. It's a real just letter to real people in real places. They had real faces, real families, real situations. That's really important. The book of Revelation is sent to people that John knew or John knew about or they knew of John. It was a circular letter like the other letters that are in the New Testament. And multiple people would have read this letter. They would have like gotten up on stage or in front of people in a home and read the letter. And this book really is all about those people. So check this out. He sent this letter to seven churches in seven real places. And this summarizes all of this. This is verse nine. I, John, am your brother 
and your partner in suffering and in God's kingdom and in the patient endurance to which Jesus calls us. What's he saying? He's saying, you know me and I know you. I was exiled to the island of Patmos for preaching the word of God and for my testimony about Jesus. See, he was, he was sent there by the Roman Empire. He was, a, he was an enemy of the state. And it was the Lord's Day. This is what happened. And I was worshiping in the Spirit, and suddenly I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet blast. And it said, write in a book everything you see, which is what this book is, and send it to the seven churches in the cities of Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Now, we're actually going to unpack and talk about these seven churches next week because in kind of the next couple of chapters, he writes very specific things to these churches. Now, as a side note, he talks about the number seven here. The number seven is pretty important in the book of Revelation and not because of like, you know, slot machines and like 777. That's not why. It's a huge symbol used all over the book. We're going to talk about it more kind of as the series goes on, but the number seven equals completeness. So when you read the number seven in the book of Revelation, it it means completeness. This takes us all the way back to the creation of the world. Genesis 1. And it was created in seven days, six days of work by God. And on the seventh day, God rested. And so when we see seven, it kind of means completeness. Some people would say perfection. So he's talking about these seven specific cities in the church but he's also talking about the entire church. These are real places with real people, with real needs and real questions. And this is right after that. This is Revelation 1.12. So this is John writing. And when I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands. That seems random. You see a lot of lampstands around? Like, if I had a vision, I don't even know if I'd say, like, those are lampstands. I don't know what they would be. But we read it, and we go, I don't understand that. I'm just going to kind of keep reading. I'm going to move on, and I do that too. I understand that. Check this out. In the Old Testament book, kind of first half of the Bible, Zechariah, who's a prophet, he says this. See, See if this sounds familiar. Then the angel who had been talking with me returned and woke me as though I had been asleep. What do you see now? He asked. That's almost exactly what John had just said. I answered, I see a solid gold lampstand with a bowl of oil on top of it. Around the bowl are seven lamps, each having seven spouts with wicks. What's my point? The people reading the book of Revelation would have been pretty familiar with the book of Zechariah in the Old Testament first half of the Bible. So that's a big deal. They knew exactly what he was talking about. We might not, because we're not quite as familiar with the book of Zechariah. Let me explain. I remember when a recent, like, big Avengers movie came out. Anybody remember Avengers Endgame? Anybody see Avengers Endgame? Some of you did. It was a $2 billion movie. You all are lying. (laughs) So I imagine if you went and saw Avengers Endgame and had never seen any of the other Marvel movies, you might be able to follow along a little bit, but you definitely didn't understand all the characters. 
You didn't understand all the imagery. You didn't understand all the jokes. You didn't understand the plot twist. You didn't understand all the Easter eggs. And without the context, it would be a little bit more difficult to understand that movie, right? But imagine watching that movie and then going back and watching all of the movies up to Avengers Endgame. So you watched all the Thors and all the Captain Americas and all the Iron Mans and Guardians of the Galaxies and all of these characters that are in this movie you would probably understand it a whole lot better, wouldn't you? That's my point. That's what I'm saying. The book of Revelation is actually, here's another thing that it is, it's often symbolic and contains Old Testament references. Now this reference about the seven lampstands, John goes on to describe and kind of explain what the seven lampstands are. They represent those seven churches That one's pretty clear. That symbol is explained. There are some symbols in the book of Revelation that aren't quite as clear, or they're an Old Testament reference, kind of like the one in Zechariah. But how we understand the book of Revelation is really dependent on kind of also the Old Testament and watching the 17,000 movies, you know, before Avengers Endgame. And they really kind of help us understand. And we're going to do our best to help you understand too. And also it's important to note because so much of Revelation is symbolic. Like it doesn't necessarily mean that literally there were seven lampstands there. It's a vision, right? John's trying to describe something that's actually pretty difficult to describe. Here's what I mean. Check this out. This is verse 13. I highlighted some words so that we could understand. And standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a golden sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth, and his face was like the sun in its brilliance. See, John is describing something that's pretty amazing, right? But he's also describing something that doesn't quite fit in to the confines of ordinary speech. John is doing his best to describe, but have you ever tried to describe something and you just haven't quite had the words to explain it? Have you ever tried to describe grief to a little kid? It's kind of difficult to do. Have you ever tried to describe someone the love that you have for, for someone, your, your family or your kid or your spouse? Have you ever described to someone, you know, the first time you heard the ocean or you saw the mountains? I mean, there are songs about this type of stuff. Have you ever tried to describe how you felt after your first kiss or your first time? Those aren't the easiest things to describe, right? And that's a piece of this symbolic and Old Testament kind of reference. John is trying to describe things that maybe we can't fully comprehend with words that we can comprehend. And because all the symbols and numbers and images that are in the Bible and all of the Old Testament references, I actually have two suggestions for us to make sure that we get the most out of this series. How can we get the most out of this eight-week series. Here's the first one. I encourage you, join the Ridge Reading Challenge. So the Ridge Reading Challenge, if you're not familiar, is an opportunity to read through the Bible Monday through Friday, a couple verses or a chapter a day. And over the summer... 
the Ridge Reading Challenge is going through the book of Revelation as well as some of these Old Testament references that are in the book of Revelation. And I think it will be a huge help to combine kind of what we're talking about on Sunday with reading Revelation for yourself. And I believe if you do this, I think that God's going to honor that. Like it says at the beginning, he'll bless you and you'll start to understand the book of Revelation maybe better than you could have possibly imagined. So to join the Ridge Reading Challenge, it's actually in our app. There's a QR code if you're here in person where you can get that app. You can go to our website. There are a lot of different ways. And in the app, it's under events and then the Ridge Reading Challenge. So that's one way to get the most out of the series. Actually read it for yourself. That's the first way. Here's the second way. You can also text questions to 812-408-1188. And we mean it. You just can type in the question and send it there, and then we'll get it. So at the end of the series, we plan on having a time where we answer questions that come up during the series that we didn't get a chance to cover on Sunday morning, or maybe we can clarify something. So if you hear something that doesn't make sense or something that we didn't address or something like that, As you read through the Ridge Reading Challenge, even, all you have to do is text your question, like, what in the world are you talking about, to 812-408-1188. Now, if I I read, like, that verbatim by, like, 10 of you, like, we'll have words, okay? (laughs) Now, then, on Sunday, July 30th, that's the last Sunday of the series, at 6 p.m., we're going to gather here in the auditorium, and we're going to answer some of those questions. Everybody who is going to teach in the series will be there to answer some of those questions. So you can text the question and then come on that Sunday night to hear the answers. And I think doing those two things, you know, joining the Ridge Reading Challenge, texting and, and interacting with those questions can really enhance your experience. So kind of as we close, here's one final thing. I think it's probably the most important thing that I'm going to say today. Here's what the book of Revelation is. The book of Revelation is hopeful. It's easy to get lost in a book like this because there's some really cool stuff in it. And there's a lot of talk about war and about judgment and about sin and about the future. And there's a lot of images that are hard to understand. But this book is inherently hopeful. This entire series, we'll be talking about why it is so full of hope and why we can find encouragement and why we can find peace and why we can interact with this with, with joy rather than fear about the future or worry about judgment. So here's an example. This is right after this section we've been talking about. John has seen these lampstands and Jesus and his hair is white like wool and eyes like fire and a two-edged sword comes out of his mouth and John's about to pee his pants. This is intense stuff. And then in verse 17, he says this, when I saw him, Jesus, I fell at his feet as if I were dead, but he laid his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. Don't be afraid. It's okay. Yeah, this book is odd. And it's a little scary. And we do have to slow down. And we do have to understand the Old Testament references. But don't be afraid. If you feel scared, if you feel lost, if you feel hopeless and you read this book, don't be afraid. Because Jesus is the first and the last. The Alpha and Omega. The Alpha is the first letter in the Greek alphabet. Omega is the last letter of the Greek alphabet. What does this mean? Well, he explains it. He says, don't be afraid because in verse 18, I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys 
of death and the grave. Jesus holds the keys to death and the grave. This is important. This is vital to what we're talking about. You can't lose this for the other seven weeks of weird stuff, okay? God is the author of the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega, and he has power. He controls life, death, and eternity. And this is a reminder from the very first chapter of the last book of the Bible that we end with hope. From the very first chapter, actually, in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, which talks about God and how he created the world, all the way through the entirety of history, all the way through the entirety of the Bible, and through the end of the world, God is in control, and he holds the keys to death and the grave and to life. And because of Jesus and what Jesus did on the cross, we're able to read this book with a smile and with confidence because, spoiler alert, Jesus wins. That's right. We can cap for that. Jesus wins. That was actually the plan all along from the very beginning. God is the author of all of it. And if we follow Jesus, we don't have to be afraid of the end of the world. We don't have to be afraid of pain. We don't have to be afraid of judgment because we have Jesus and he has the keys to all of it. And instead, we have access to joy and hope and peace and the promise of revelation, which is no more sorrow or tear or death or pain. That's the hope of revelation. And it's really the hope of the rest of the Bible and the foundation of what we believe as followers of Jesus. God is the author and creator of the beginning and the end. And he has power, control over your life, over your death, and over your eternity. And he loves you so much. Now next week is a baptism Sunday. I actually think that those two things kind of go hand in hand. Baptism Sunday celebrates the very thing we're talking about, that God is a God of hope, and what Jesus did on the cross reminds us of God's power over life and death and eternity. And baptism is this outward expression of an inward decision to follow Jesus. And if you follow Jesus, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus and you've never been baptized, that's your next step. You can talk to somebody today, you know, right down here in front, or you can shoot us a message at any time. And there's actually a class this week that can help maybe explain why baptism is so important and what it's all about. But I want you to hear from somebody who was just baptized here recently. Her name is Shelby. I want you to hear about her experience in her own words about why this is so important. My life a year ago was... Honestly, that was like my decision to come to the ridge. That was the day that I was like, this is the time. I knew God was calling me to finally get it out of my head and go somewhere and worship and be with people around me that think the same and have the same culture that I do. So that was just the decision I chose to come to the ridge. It was probably a year ago before that, that I'd was struggling with God and struggling even what he meant, what he was, like my thoughts about him. And my boyfriend at the time actually helped me get through that and was able to 
share with me who he was. About a year went by, and I was like, okay, this is my decision. That's when I started, and I wanted to come to the Ridge. When I had been thinking about first getting baptized, I was like, okay, this is my next step. I knew God was calling me to do this, and I was kind of nervous um, that this was going to be such a big decision for me that I called my sister, and I was like, hey, Braylon, have you... Did you hear about the baptisms? And she goes, yeah, I was actually going to call you. Like, I want to get baptized. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, this is a sign. Like, if you're thinking about getting baptized, I want to get baptized. Like, this is awesome. I want to do it with you. It's going to make it even more like of a moment for us together and grow in our relationship along with us growing in our relationship with God. And once we found that out, it was like, we're doing this. Like it wasn't, we didn't go back on our word. We ended up signing up for it. We were going through some things that day when we went to the class to learn about what baptism even was. And it just, it was all full circle. We knew that it was time and it was just so overwhelming, honestly, to even think that we were gonna make this decision, but it was beautiful. If I had to describe the day that I got baptized, just walking into church was so, awesome like everybody was greeting me we were in a room together and I was like this is so awesome to see not only me getting baptized not only my sister getting baptized but everybody else and it felt like it was such a party like when we were on stage everyone was screaming and high-fiving her and it just felt like it was the right time to do this I was mentally ready Braylon was mentally ready it's not this stressful thing you don't need to think that Oh, this is a big decision you need to make. No, it's just your outward expression. And the whole day was beautiful and magical to me.